For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we spoke a week ago? Yeah, yeah, good then. You know, a good couple of results for us. So that always keeps things ticking over nicely. Um, and looking forward to getting into it all with you guys uh, tonight. Fantastic. Also making her return to the show tonight is Holly. Holly, how have you been since we spoke a few weeks ago? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. And I'm happy to be back on, obviously, living lavish at the top of the league. So it's a win-win. Well, exactly. Everyone wants to be on the show when we're top of the league, don't they? And that also leads us nicely into our debut from Jake. So, Jake, you get a debut cap tonight. You're better known as Dreads on Twitter. So how are you? And are you looking forward to talking all things Tottenham? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, looking forward to bringing that Northern charm. I like it. talking about good old Spurs. We had energy last week. We've got Northern Charm this week. We're doing well. That also means, of course, we've got James off on a scouting trip this week. So he'll be back next week, hopefully. James, I hope all is well if you're listening. And before we talk all things Tottenham and take stock of the last seven days, it's time for the return of the hit segment, Tell Us About Yourself. So, Jake, as it's your debut, you get the questions this week. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fantastic. So, when did you first start supporting Tottenham? Uh, Probably about... 16 years ago or something, when I was 10 years old. Oh, good age. So you're, what, 26 yeah. now? That's a, yeah. a good vintage. So that would be the sort of 2004 era. So in that yeah. era, who was your favourite player growing up? Um, hard question, really. Um, I'd have to say probably Jermaine Defoe. Oh, we've not had that one. That's a very good shout. Yeah. And who's your favourite player in the current squad? Um, it'd have to be Ndombele, the guy... Really? We've not had that one before either. I'm liking these yeah. kind of left-field answers, which leads me perfectly <laughs> into the last question, which is, out of all the players across the last sort of 16 years, who has been your most left-field love player? Someone that doesn't necessarily get the limelight, but who's that for you? Um, I might say Hugo Lloris. I don't know if that's a left-field answer, but um, especially after watching the All or Nothing documentary, just I'd never realised he was so vocal in the dressing room and stuff like that. So, yeah, he really... Yeah, I really... Come on to Hugo. I like it. Some very solid answers. Hopefully you've got some more later in the show. So that's all about Tell Us About Yourself for this week. Let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect the last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at CYS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know and we'll get it on there for you and then we'll all be happy. Right, let's get down to business. And that business, Carl, is a hard-fought draw against Chelsea and one that sees us stay top of the league. Now, some quarters have bemoaned the style, but to be honest, did we really expect anything different? No, I think we, we said last week then, didn't we, when we ended the show, that, you know, was this a must win or was it just a, you know, don't lose? Um, and I think we all kind of agreed that, you know, the way things are going right now, um, it, it was just really a don't lose um, because we've got some momentum going 
and we know, don't we? You know, I think we was all sitting there thinking this is a real challenge because, as we know, Spurs have tended to go away and when there's some pressures on or when there's an expectation, we've kind of crumbled. We haven't put a performance in. We've come away, you know, with a defeat and suddenly you think, well, the, the same frailties are still there. Um, this was a real challenge this weekend as to, well, OK, we're being talked about as title challengers. We got the first one out of the way with City, but then, you know, this is going to be a tough game away at a good Chelsea and have Spurs actually got what it takes to go and get these difficult results and go to these difficult places and get something. And as we saw, it wasn't going to be pretty. The blueprint was there from the Man City game of how you're going to play potentially when Jose feels we're coming up against a team maybe stronger than us or that maybe have more threat. Um, and we kind of saw the same thing played out again yesterday. Um, you know, we didn't look as threatening. You know, we had a good spell in the first half where, we, you know, we was you thought we could have gone toe-to-toe with Chelsea. The second half was very much just a camping, sitting and not, not give anything away. But it worked. We got the result. We limited them to chances. And I think we're just going to have to accept that this season, you know, when we play these sides that we're potentially thinking, you know, could they hurt us more if we go gung-ho? Jose is going to revert to this tactic. But as we've seen, it's working. The guys defend really well at the moment. Um, and not being funny, we can't moan, can we? If you'd said we'd had four points out of those first two games of City and Chelsea, I think we'd all have sat here and said, yes, please, thank you very much. We'd bite your hand off for them. And we've got them. So I think, you know, that result was a real um, good result, a good marker to lay down. And it's maybe shown us that we might actually have, you know, the mental capability about us to stay in a title race this season. So, Holly, after the win against Manchester City, many were stating that we'd just seen a Mourinho masterclass. Was yesterday's draw against Chelsea a tactical showing that can be labelled in the same bracket? I mean, the fact that we didn't get the win, maybe not so much, but we've also got to look at it like Kyle said, like... If we were going to go there and try and get something from the game, I'd take a point all day long. Like you said, we only needed a point to stay at the top of the league and we managed to secure that. I mean, three points would have been lovely and I think it would have been a bigger statement to the rest of the league to be like, look, we're here, don't write us off sort of thing. But I think it was a very important fight and a very important win to get at the end, uh, draw to get at the end. You can tell I'm tired. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> wishful thinking there. Um, so, yeah, no, I think... It was important to get a point and more so that we didn't come away with nothing. So, yeah, I think it's given me more optimism to look forward to the to the next game at the weekend. So, Jake, it's fair to say that Chelsea had the most chances, but even with their attacks, it always felt rather bitty. Like nothing really substantial, unless you sort of count the last five, ten minutes that we'll get to in a moment. But there was m- many chances for the likes of Abraham and Werner, but never really kind of knocking on the door. So, if we're going by the numbers, obviously that tells one story, but watching the 90 minutes... Probably tells another, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it definitely does. So, Carl, what did you make of Joe Roden's Premier League debut? Because across 90 minutes, there were two flashpoints, I think. The first, getting stuck in position in the build-up to Werner's eventual offside goal. Bit of heart and mouth, you think, oh, God. And then, even more so, right at the very end, when he almost handed a winner on a plate to Olivier Giroud. So, if you look at those two, those kind of moments will probably cloud people's judgments a little bit, and people might go... Well, he didn't have a good game. But if you take the assessment of the whole 90, again, pretty much a different story. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, young lad, first game, and, and what a game to have to come into. You know, it's not like, and, and this is no disrespect to those sides of anyone there's listening, but it's not like a Bournemouth at home or something like that where you comfortably feel you're going to be the better side um, and they won't offer much threat. This was Chelsea away, Werner, you know, the players they've got in their side. So it was always going to be a challenge. Um, we saw what you expect to see from a young lad as well. You know, some naivety, um, some lapses in concentration, you know, some mistakes. But then we also saw some good defending. You know, he got his body in the way of Abraham, put him off at certain points, um, you know. And I think it, it was a kind, you know, you'd have to sit there and say, for your first performance in that sort of game, I think you did all right. Yes, you know, we want to make sure we don't fall into that trap of those mistakes again. You know, at the point when he lost the ball for what, you know, would have been Werner's goal. You have to sit there and say at some point, even if there isn't a pass on, you just got to get rid of that. And again, with a Giroud one, you know, the way the ball was bouncing, it seemed pretty clear he wasn't going to be able to get a powerful enough header to get it back to the goalkeeper. So at that point and at that stage in the game, maybe just, you know, let it hit the floor, take it out wide and try and hook it out for a throw in regroup. But these are all things you expect from a young lad learning the trade and kind of making that step up from you know lower league football into the Premier League. Um, I think we saw enough to be encouraged and think that we could have a good player on our hands. And we just have to hope that, you know, he kind of develops and, and takes on from that game and, you know, gets a bit more confidence about him. And we'll see how it goes. You know, I think we all, you know, Toby being injured was not the news we wanted in the previous game. But I don't think he'll face much tougher tests than he did at the weekend. So to come through it with a clean sheet it is a good sign. Yeah, mistakes were made. That is part and parcel of the game, unfortunately. But they didn't lead to a goal and they didn't lead to a defeat. So I think he gets a pass. I think also, from a confidence point of view, that's massive just to get that debut in because he's had fleeting minutes here and there. But to get that one done, to keep a clean sheet, might be starting against Arsenal on Sunday. You'd like to think, you know, this is the start of something good in terms of minutes on the pitch. With that in mind, Holly, the game certainly come to life at the very end. We had that chance from Giroud, which Roden nearly gave him and there was also a chance that Kurt Zuma nearly gave us so it opened up to Lo Celso but then opened up to nothing so what did you make of him in that situation can that be labelled as just poor decision making I reckon so yeah I mean you look at the amount of people that we had in the box in that freeze frame I think he could have laid it off the regular and then I don't know he maybe could have whipped across in or had a shot himself I think it was it was poor but then if you think about it down the other end Giroud's just kind of missed the good goal, goal scoring opportunity for it to then go down the other end and you're quickly thinking, oh, look at minutes on the on the clock. We haven't got long left. Do I have a shot here? Do I have a go to be the hero? Possibly. I think that's just his naivety, maybe, coming into the Prem and coming in on the sub like he did against City and managing to score that goal to um, add to his goal tally, being the super sub, shall we say. Maybe he thought that his, light, his name was going to be in lights once again. So, yeah, I think it was poor decision-making. Hopefully he'll try and sort that out in the next couple of games when he plays again. Yeah, I think it's almost similar to uh, Sun against West Brom, where, dare I say, you had too much time, where you've almost got options, too many options, and you sort of end up picking none of them. And that's what happened, unfortunately. So, a bit of a shame, but it could have been a lot worse seconds before. So, I think, on balance, the nil-nil was just about right. So, Jake, in terms of the Celso, he came on for Undumbele again. They seem to be spitting their time in terms of 60-30. So, is that something that's working for you? And what did you make of the French internationals' performance in West London? I still, well, first of all, he just played absolutely insane. Like I was, he just gets better and better every game. 
Um, we knew we kind of had this in his locker uh, when we were looking at signing him and all the YouTube compilations and that like showed off that he had this amazing talent. And then when he came in for Poch and it was, uh, it took a while for him to get started. And I still kind of think that maybe he does maybe need to bed in a little bit more. Well, the, the whole team kind of do. Um, we're like, we've got a new left back. Uh, we've got a new centre-back pairing. Uh, we've got um, Doherty coming in, but it, obviously he's not, he didn't play this game against Chelsea. Um, so we've got a quite a different squad to what we had last year. So I do think that it's it's still Mourinho still learning as well, who we can trust in his uh, in his squad. Um, so I think it's just it's just one of them. I think it's just um, giving the players minutes, and there's a lot of game time coming. So it's just bedding these players in, um, and hopefully, eventually, we'll see the the Celso and, and Dombele um, combination that I think everyone's wanting to see at this point. So if I start with you then, Jake, with that in mind, we're all hoping that we get to this dream partnership. But yep. how does that happen? Because the team looks pretty settled at the moment. So if they're both to play, who doesn't? Um, I think maybe when he's going to be playing, it's going to be a case of if it's a team that we're struggling to break down, um, where we don't have to play so defensively. Um, I know a lot of people have been kind of calling for Suzuko to come out um, to swap for uh, Lo Celso. So maybe that's the route that we go down. Um, it's, I, I guess it's going to be game by game, especially with how many games we've got coming up. So um, maybe even a Europa game um, where we're not expecting to defend as deep. Um, but to be honest, this system's working really, really well. Well, this is it. And I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks back, actually, that the team that is playing at the moment, maybe the right back is up for grabs. But that, in terms of a best 11, and of course, this is Toby instead of Rodan, that is your best 11, but it's not necessarily the best 11 players. So it's a case of, do you go for the best players on paper or do you go for the best system? And at the moment, we're leaning towards the system. Talk of your French internationals, though, Cole. Hugo Lloris was kept the busier of the two men between the sticks. And it's fair to say he made a crucial save for Mason Mount towards the end. Just when the game was beginning to spark into life on both sides, that's thankfully not a sucker punch we had to suffer. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a world-class save, wasn't it? Because, you know, at one point you sort of thought he, he was kind of not going to get there and, you know, Mount was going to suddenly score that goal that wins them the game. And as you say, having defended so, so well to kind of concede that so late on, you wouldn't have seen us kind of being able to come back from that, I don't think. Um, so that is just a pure world-class save. And I think, you know, I'd have to say that, you know, I think before his injury and, say, the game against Brighton last season, I think there was a lot of doubts over Hugo, wasn't there, around, you know, oh, is he the same goalkeeper? Do we need to look or start thinking about looking to move on from him? But I have to say, since he's come back from that injury and the restart after the, you know, the coronavirus, he has been magnificent in goal. Uh, and as the guys said, you know, since that documentary, you're actually really seeing a leader and, again, a world-class goalkeeper that you feel confident when he's in your side and that you kind of feel, yeah, well, OK, if they get past the defence, you've still got Larice to beat and that's not an easy task because since that restart, each game he's kind of, you know, looked dominating. He's a safe pair of hands. He pulls off some really good saves. I think it was Leicester last season at home. You know, at one point he pulls off this save um, from, I don't know whether it was Vardy or someone else, but it was a save that kind of you think if that went in, the game turns again and you don't know whether we get the result. But he makes a save. We go on to get the next couple and win the game. 
and that at the weekend, you know, again, if you look back at the end of the season, that could be one of them saves, you know, a season-defining save when you look back on it. Um, brilliant save, brilliant goalkeeper, and one that if you was, you know, if he suddenly was to go injured again right now and you've realised he was going to miss a month or two of the season, you'd feel really down and think, oh, we're in big trouble here. Um, so he's done his job brilliantly and you've got to give full credit to him for that. Well, it's an incredible return to glory, really, because this time last year, everyone, probably us included, was asking the Gazaniga question, is he the heir apparent to the number one role at Tottenham? And some people, and again, on this podcast, thinking, yeah, maybe he is because of Lloris's current form at that time and the injury. But, you know, what a bounce back and credit to him. And we're only benefiting it from it from a sort of results point of view. So more power to him. And talking of the French connection, Holly, what did you make of Moussa Sissoko's man-marking job on Timo Werner? It's almost in that game and Man City that he's babysitting Serge Aurier throughout the game. Now, that's not to sort of do Serge a disservice because if you think about it really, it's even added to his performances. So they're in tandem working together quite well at the moment. Oh, 100% agree. You know that Serge Aurier isn't my best mate. But no. the fact that he's got <laughs> Soko to, to be there just to cover him a little bit. We all notice Serge likes to bomb forward, which is, which is fine, but we've never really had anyone that's there to just block it off if it goes wrong. And I think Sissoko, now that he's got this thing in his mind that he's got to do a job or he's been directed to man-mark a player, he's just flourishing. And I think it's great to see. I mean, I love Musa Sissoko, but obviously his performances somewhere aren't so great. But like I said, when he's got an actual target or something to do, he's, he's doing great. And I think also credit to Serge Aurier because I think the fact that he knows he's got Sissoko there also means that he feels he has to do his job a bit better as well. And I think this... I keep going over it. It's competition, competition for place. I think with Doty coming in and Serge Aurier having to up his games really benefited him. And I'm not one to praise Serge Aurier, but I honestly think he had a really good game against Chelsea. Yeah, I think rightfully so. I mean, also, Jake, we shouldn't forget that he had a chance of his own in the first half, one that stung the fingertips of Edouard Mendy. With that in mind, are you selecting him for Sunday in the battle of the right-backs? Um, I think so. Um, I think he's... He's got that pace that we we needed, and um, I, I presume that we will we'll be playing more attacking football this time. Um, well, we never know, but um, with the way that Arsenal are kind of playing really defensive and negative football, uh, I say negative football, but um, I feel that if we both play that kind of pragmatic kind of style, then it's just going to be a really drab game, and I don't feel that the North London derby, regardless um, of if it's being played with fans or not, um, warrants that. So, Cole, it was obviously a quiet day for, for sorry, Kane and Son. Now, that's going to happen from time to time, so there's no real crisis there. Now, we've just sort of lauded Mourinho for having a bit of a tactical masterclass. Do we have to begrudgingly give Frank a bit of a nod because he deployed Kante so well in the middle of the park to nullify our attacking threat? Yeah, I think obviously for us, you know, most teams will know our real danger. You know, you've got Kane and Son, um, and as you know, if you play a high line, Son could kill you. Um, same with Kane can do anything to you anywhere. Um, so I think Frank knew what he was, you know, he needed to put Kante in there to get in and around them and disrupt them. You know, you've got Thiago Silva at the back who, who's been brilliant. You know, he's a great centre half, so he wasn't going to be outdone by Kane. You know, he wasn't going to fall for any tricks. Um, and Chelsea did what they really needed to against us. You know, we still had, you know, in the first half, like I say, I felt we kind of, you know, showed that we we could get at them. Um, And if we wanted to be more adventurous, you felt that, you know, there could be a goal there because we did trouble them. 
Um, the second half, not so much, which was slightly disappointing. And I have to say, Son, for me, this is one of those games where Son can frustrate you because that's the sort of game where I feel he probably needs to do a little bit better than he does, you know, with carrying the ball and holding it up. Um, that I still feel he needs to add a little bit more in games like that because he kind of does go missing, unfortunately. Um, but you've got to give Chelsea some credit, you know, not only that they knew we were a danger and you could see that they were prepared for that and they weren't going to overcommit themselves and get caught out. Um, so, yeah, you know, as we say, we're lauding our defensive performance, but they were pretty good as well. So they'll take some comfort out of that. Holly, no bail. No bail against Man City, no bail against Chelsea. Any cause of concern at all here? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because we all want to see Bale play in the Premier League and it's not really happening at the moment. Whether he's got sights on Europa come Thursday or whether he's waiting to use him in the North London derby, I, I just don't know. I'm not going to worry too much because I feel like I've got a lot of faith in Jose and I feel like he, he definitely knows what he's doing in terms of rotation for players. Um, so I'm not going to worry too much, but hopefully maybe he just has a cameo appearance in the North London derby because we'd all kind of like him to score against Arsenal, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. But Jake, I'll stay on this topic then because we're at December by the time people listen to this podcast. We can't keep using the excuse pre-season for Bale getting up to fitness. There is a bit of a concern. That's not to say he's a complete bust or a flop. Now, there's a lot of football in December, so there's obviously a lot of opportunity. And of course, the most important games come in the second half of the season, which you'd like to think we will be there competing on multiple fronts. So is it a case of don't panic just yet, but what needs to happen for things to start to turn good and we start to get a bit of value out of this loan capture? I think it was just a style of game that we were playing um, because we wanted to play that kind of a counter-attacking football. Um, I don't think Bale's got the burst of energy that he used to have um, back when we used to see him. Um, so I think, and like when, when we were watching the Man City game, we saw that he was about to come on until uh, Toby went down. Um, so I do think that he is heavily in like Jose's plans, and I just think it's just a case of it's using him at the right time. Yeah, it's a fair point. Obviously, you shouldn't overlook the fact he was primed and ready to come on against City. So it's not a case of him not being in favour at all. And you have to sort of think, yes, you've got a, a luxury player, shall we say, on the bench, and you'd like to use him as much as you can. But yesterday wasn't really that right opportunity, Carl, was it? Maybe if we were one nil down and something had to change, but with the game so in the balance, that's not really the sub you should be making. Yeah, I think, like as you say, if we were losing, then I think, you know, Jose then has to go for it, doesn't he? And you probably see Bow get thrown on. The only other thing you maybe could have said or seen Bow coming on for was someone who might have had the ability to kind of hold the ball up a little bit more. Because like I say, you know, we've seen two games right now where it's almost a case of let them attack, win it, try to clear it, give it back to them, let them come at you again. And, you know, although we're defending really well, obviously, you don't want to keep doing that because at some point a team, especially with the sort of quality that Man City and teams like Chelsea have, at some point they'll wear you down and they will break you down eventually. So I felt the fact that the ball wasn't sticking up top, he probably would have been someone I might have thought of yesterday just to think, well, look, listen, I just need you to go and get hold of it. You don't need to go burst in a lung, but if you can just hold it, in and around, you know, occupy the ball for just a couple of minutes to give everyone a breather. But at the same time, Jose probably feels he wanted those workhorses in there, those bit that that bit of pace, that bit more pace. You know, if we do break, then we can break quickly. And I think, you know, we will have to. I think there is 
there probably is also a slight concern about making sure Bell doesn't break down again. Um, and obviously, if you do rush him and you put him into too many intense games, I think there probably is a feeling that what we don't want to do is suddenly have get him injured when we probably, you know, playing him at times where you might not need to play him and suddenly now he's out for months on end. I think, you know, Bell will probably see the second half of the season where he'll come into himself a little bit more and he'll start getting more of a regular run out. Um, and hopefully that will be at the sort of time when, you know, the, the title and the running is at it mo- uh, its most serious and he might be able to contribute and help get us over the line if it comes to that. So, Holly, if he does play that role, it's most likely that Stevie B would then be dropped to the bench. Not as good yesterday as he was against Man City. What do you make of his overall performance? Yeah, I don't know what it is, to be honest. I think after him being sent away from the Netherlands squad, he just hasn't really picked it up. Maybe he is not at the fitness level that we all thought he was. Because for me, I thought it was a bit of a shock that he wasn't involved in the Netherlands side. But like I said, since then, he just hasn't really been himself. Um, so, yeah, it's very strange. Like I said, I, I didn't really think he had a very good game yesterday. I think there was one opportunity where I think Son did blast it at him and he didn't have the opportunity to, to control it very well. But, yeah, it just wasn't really a, a showing from the Bergwijn that I've known for a little while. Yeah, he sort of, I don't know, he hasn't quite found that level of consistency. And again, whether that's down to fitness, not getting enough minutes himself, um, it's kind of like, He's not really knocking on the door as much as you know someone else who would be sort of having a good run in the Europa League. So you do sort of worry about where he fits in. But again, if Bale's not up to speed either, we're kind of sort of chopping and changing between the two. Hopefully, like I say, come January, February, everyone's flying, then it's an easy decision to make. Or even if you pay either or, it doesn't really matter because they're both at the same level, but we're not quite there yet. Talking of levels though, Jake, what do you make of Mourinho's comments regarding us being a pony in terms of the horses in the title race? Is that a ploy to take the pressure off the players? I think as Spurs fans, we always kind of see ourselves as that. Anyway, with us being, we, we don't have the money to be able to splash out on all these players and play the, pay the big wages and stuff like this. So I do always think that we are maybe like, say, the underdog or whatever, um, which is kind of why I'm not getting wax lyrical about being top of the league just yet. Are you not, no? Well, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself. <laughs> That's fair enough. With that mindset though, Cole, do we as a club, as fans collectively, need to get out of that and believe we're winners? Do the club themselves as players need to? Because when you take Mourinho's comments that he said that the dressing room were disappointed at only getting a draw, is that something that everyone else needs to buy into? Yeah, I think Jose is very clever, isn't he? I, I think given it's this early in the season, I don't think he obviously doesn't. He's not going to come out and say, listen, this side is going to win. It's going to be in with a title shout. Um, he still knows it's early days for him. You know, there are players still trying to settle in. Um, we've had a great start, that's for sure. And, and I think, you know, obviously the talk about us being, you know, title contenders and that before these last two games was probably a bit premature. Um, but I think these two games have probably showed everyone, well, listen, if Spurs can keep this kind of form up uh, and kind of do what they're doing, then they are possibly in with a shout. And I would say that Chelsea game has probably made me feel a little bit more confident um, than the City one. That, well, actually, yeah, it looks like we can dig in when we need to. We can defend and we can get results. You know, even if it's not pretty, we can get results at the tough places when we need to. Um, and if we can do that away from home and beat these big boys at home, even if, again, even if it's ugly, 
then you think, well, yeah, we should be in, you know, why not? Why can't we be in with a shout? But I think Jose is just being very clever. You know, he doesn't want to get too cocky or seem to be kind of blowing our own trumpet this early in. Because, again, we are only 10 games in. But I think behind the scenes, I would imagine he is, you know, there is this view that, listen, if we carry on like this and you all do your jobs, we can win. We can win it. Um, but he's not going to come out in the media and kind of blow a trumpet and say, yes, this team's going to go and win it. Because as we know, he could end up with a lot of egg on his face and be made to look stupid. So, Holly, let's pretend I've just bought you a Tottenham advent calendar. And in that advent calendar, there's six league fixtures, two Europa League matches, a Carabao quarterfinal. It's fair to say this month coming up is pivotal to the season ahead. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they were chocolate, I'd be really <laughs> fat. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah there's an awful lot of uh, games to play and like I said I think highlighting on Bale I think it's just a rotation game and I think Jose is definitely the man to organise all of that obviously I, I really want us to do well in the Europa League but then you've also got to weigh up how well we're doing in the Premier League so yeah I wouldn't want to be in Jose's shoes but I feel like he's got the right tools to be able to manage it all really well well I don't think he'll have a big enough squad or a bigger squad than what we've got now this is almost the perfect amount of resource and you're sort of thinking yes in other sort of Januarys you might sell a player or two but if you do want to compete on as many fronts that we are it might be prudent to sort of keep as many of your charges as you can and with that in mind Jake it's always good to get a take on debut people on this show and their hopes for the season you just sort of said that you're not buying into the Premier League bandwagon just yet do you feel there's going to be some form of silverware being delivered coming into the season? Uh, yeah I do I do think so and uh, like what Carl said, like the, the Chelsea game just showed that we have got that kind of mentality that once Jose says, right, this is the job that we're going to be doing and that as players can deliver on that. And I think that's been something that we've kind of been lacking uh, over the past couple of years. So, yeah, I do definitely think that silverware will be on the table. Um, I do still think that we are in the title race. Um, but, it, yeah, I'm just trying to hold off for a while before fully getting getting excited because it, it's come back and haunted me many a times before. A shrewd move. You're keeping your powder dry. So, Cole, one of those trophies that we could be delivering is the Europa League. And let's be honest, Ludogorets were happy just to be there on Thursday, weren't they? We didn't learn all that much from that encounter, did we? I think I've played in better pub teams, <laughs> to be honest, than what Ludogorets turned up and put in. Um, you know, after a game like that, sometimes you, it it can a game like that can leave you sort of wondering. It's that old question before, isn't it? Where you sort of go, it, is it worth having sides like that in the competition? You know, because they they're just cannon fodder for you, isn't it? And when you think of conge- fixture congestion, you know, you sit there and sort of go, you know, why is a team like that even in there? Because it was it's just so one sided. It's unreal. But as we know, you know, those sides weren't their right to be there. Um, I think we knew this was the Europa League, wasn't it? The chances are in the group stage, you're going to get some real pony opposition that you should be able to get through the group pretty comfortably and even be able to put out mostly your second string and see these teams away. Um, We probably could have put out the training mannequins and seen them away on Thursday. Um, But it was a good performance nevertheless. You know, we, we, we put them to the sword the way we needed to. We saw a Puskas award-winning goal potentially scored, didn't we? Um, and, and we'll get on to much better opposition. But 
I think for us, the great thing is if we can get through this group stage and play these sort of teams, putting out the, you know, the kind of second string, then that just helps us in, in achieving, you know, the better goals you've got over the course of a season. So, Holly, we certainly learned that Harry Winks's audacious lob wasn't unfortunately meant. So, although it was a great goal, it's also an incredibly wayward pass when you think about it. But we'll let it slide for this one. What did you make of his overall performance? Is it a case of Europa League good, yes, but not quite banging on the door for the Premier League? It was great. I mean, he passed the ball forward, so I don't care if it went in, it went (laughs) forward. Um, As the running joke that goes on Twitter. So, um, yeah, I think he played well, like I said. I love Winks, but right now I don't know whether he's he is banging on that door for the Premier League side, and it's sad because he's a Tottenham lad. We all love him, but right now I, I just don't think he's got that place in the first team. Like I said, I think a run out in the Europa League doesn't good because I think it's one of those games where he can pick a pass forward with ease. He can do the things that we used to see him do in the Prem. I, I think it's just. People have pushed him out, sadly. I think we've got a great combo that's working at the moment. Jose's obviously got his... I think he knows his top 11 for that starting side week in, week out. And I don't think Winks is really knocking on the door even for the subs bench at the moment, which is sad. But if it means he gets runs outs in Europa League and it saves fitness for other players to be in the Prem that sadly are maybe uh, levels above him at the moment, so be it. Well, in an ideal world, you'd like to see a Premier League eleven as your sort of guaranteed starters each week and a Europa League team, which knows their role and can do their job and get you to the later stage of the competition. And when you look at our squad depth, there's absolutely no reason why the likes of Winks and Ali and Vinicius, they can't just play those roles perfectly and get us so far into the uh, Europa League knockouts. And yes, you could argue it's a difficult, difficult balancing act because then you've got to try and keep everyone happy. But if you're sort of in it for the greater good and you're still in the competitions... It's a lot easier to keep those players happy. So with that in mind, Jake, Deli Ali, yes, he played well. And yes, it's a positive sight to see him play as good as he did. But again, as Carl says, when you consider the opposition, you kind of got to temper that mood a little bit and not get overly excited at such a showing. Yeah, I think it's a case of just not getting overexcited at the minute. Um, it's, it's similar to with the, with the Bale situation as well. I think um, when there's a game that fits Deli's style, um, then it'll be... A good, a good chance for him to kind of prove himself there. But um, like I say, not really getting over, getting ahead of myself with just the opposition that we were playing. Well, you could also argue in terms of Jose's system that we're seeing at the moment, where on earth does he fit? This is a kind of square, yeah, peg, exactly. yeah, square yeah. peg round hole problem. So it's not a case of being out of favour as such. But, you know, as we sort of said earlier, as I said, you've got good players, good systems. You have to find the balance between the two. And unfortunately, Ali is on the wrong side of that. So, Carl, one positive we can take is the prowess of Vinicius. So, I think the likes of Marine in the FA Cup third round will be the perfect fodder for him at the start of our latest road to Wembley. Yeah, I think this was a great thing, wasn't it? And this is what we, we've been wanting for so long, isn't it? You know, you want a second striker that, you know, there are certain games where you don't have to risk playing Kane, um, you know, before, no matter what fixture we've had, Kane has been first on the team sheet because you don't have another option. Um, we now look like we've got another option. Um, again, we'd have to sit there and say, bear in mind the opposition um, and the fact that he had two tap-ins. But again, it's nice to know that you can suddenly rest the player and think, well, OK, we have got someone we can bring in. We have got someone who can score goals. So we don't have to play you unless suddenly, you know, we look like we're on the verge of losing a game and we then just want to throw an extra body on. Um I think, you know, he, 
we can't knock what he's done so far. Um, there's tougher games to come and tougher opposition where we'll have to see what he's really made of when he comes up against better defenders. But this was the ideal scenario, wasn't it? Having a striker that's better than you know these Europa League defenders, you don't have to risk Kane. He can possibly score you goals in this competition that see you through. And again, if we're looking at the FA Cup now and the Carabao Cup, the opposition we've got there, again, we can take the chance to maybe rest Kane and let this guy do his job and hope that he scores the goals that gets us through. And then, you know, who knows, if we, if we get to a final, then we may have to say and be ruthless and say, well, thanks very much for getting us here. But now we're going to play the big guns because we want to win this. But this was the ideal situation. And this is what, you know, having a big squad is all about and, and what the other teams above us have been doing for years. So it, it's our turn to finally get that sort of squad to do it. So, Holly, what did you make of the appearance of Alfie Whiteman against Ludogorets? Is that the ultimate shithousing and a lack of disrespect? Because you don't usually see a goalkeeper getting a non-injury switch like that, do you? No, Joseph was just taking the mickey, wasn't he, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, he's got his WNE, so he's living lavish. But yeah, no, like like Carl said, playing a pub team. So he's literally just thinking to himself, I'll just throw him on, give him a few minutes, keep him happy. We'll see how it goes. Because there weren't really any goal threats where they really, let's be honest. So yeah, it's total shithouse from Jose. We love to see. He, he should have put him up front then, to be honest. <laughs> he could have brought him on and said, just go up front and play alongside Vinicius. You know, don't worry about it. We'll have Rush goalkeeper for this game. Yeah, he missed a trick there, to be honest, didn't he? So, Jake, we've got more Europa League action this Thursday and the hope that we'll be, obviously, we beat Lask and qualify. However, because we've lost to Antwerp, we don't quite have the luxury of then resting players when we face them again because we've still got to win the group and avoid the proverbial big guns that might drop out of the Champions League by finishing third. So it's not quite done yet, is it? No, it's definitely not done yet. So, talking of needing to be one, Cole, the North London derby. Now, I don't know about you, but the fact that Arsenal have been so bad is almost some sort of form of, shall we say, social media setup, a trap almost, because you want to stick the boot in and you want to say how crap they are, but if there's ever egg on your face going to be presented, this could be the weekend. So, I don't know about you, but I'm just staying completely quiet. I'm not even touching anything Arsenal for the week. So, what's your social media strategy for the next seven days, Cole? Well, well, I think that has always been the best strategy, isn't it? Because, you know, if you, if, you know, these are role reversals right now, isn't it? You know, look how many years they were kind of like clearing above us. But we could always turn up and spoil the party on the odd occasion, couldn't we? Even being as bad as we were most weeks. So I think, yeah, like as you say, it, anyone who starts kind of jumping the gun and, you know, oh, we'll score four or five here against this lot. Uh, you would just say, listen, taper it in because, as you say, sometimes this could be the one game where we know they will turn up, that's for sure. Um, they won't turn up and just roll over for us. Um, you would like to think on form and the way the things are going this season. Yes, you know, you, you would go into this feeling confident and think we should be able to beat them and we should be able to be a lot more attacking. But they've still got players that can hurt you if you, you know, kind of don't take them seriously. So, yeah, I, I won't be kind of putting the boot in just yet. But come the end of that game, if, if we've won and we've won comfortably, then it's get your kicks in, get whatever in um, and go for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Holmes, I'll level with you. I hate Derby Week. Like, even now, I just dread it because it's just... You know, there's so many things that could go right, but it could go wrong. And I'm not happy till 6.30 on Sunday, either or, because at least it's over. So, in terms of where we are and where they are, is there a risk of being overconfident, or is that something that Mourinho simply will not allow? 
I think we've just got to try and stay level-headed. And I think Mourinho will big everyone up, but he'll also know in the back of his mind that form doesn't even come into the equation when you're playing any sort of derby. So I think Jose will play it cool and he'll big the players up and he'll just be like, look, do your jobs, we'll get the job done. And like you say, I, I hate watch. I mean, I hate watching the Chelsea game because it was just stressing the whole way through. I was like, this is a big game to secure points, take something away from it and to get three points potentially. So yeah, North London derby, I'm going to be a wreck. So, Jake, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been stone cold lately. Two goals all season, one's a penalty. You know what that means. He probably scores on Sunday. But if he does play in the centre of an attacking three, how do we nullify the threats that he can offer when he's at his best? Not that he has been this season, but it's not to be sort of just, oh, it's fine, he's not going to have a good game. So how do we sort of manage the Aubameyang problem? Well, I wonder if it, we carry on what we've been doing the past couple of games with the Heuberg and uh, Suzuka tracking back into them channels. Um, and I don't know how that's going to lend itself going forward. So it'll be interesting to see. And I think it'll be a real test to see how Jose can change his system uh, with the opposition that we're playing. So with that in mind, Carl, in terms of system, line-up, what changes, if any, need to be made from the last two league matches? Because you're almost sort of thinking, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you can't just go, well, it worked in the past, so it'll certainly work again because you sort of need to sort of take each game as it comes. So if you're Mourinho on Sunday, what are you doing? I, I don't think there's going to be many changes, because I think, like as we say, I still think Mourinho will say to them, like, you know, when they've got the ball, I want us to defend the way we have been defending, because as we say, those players can still hurt you, um, and they have got a little bit of pace. I think the one change we probably will see will be, for me, I think Bow will probably play ahead of Bergvine, and we will see Kane, Son and Bow up top. Other than that, I think the side will probably stay the same, if I'm honest. Um, and we probably, you know, again, as I say, I think you will see Jose still say, listen, this is not a game where suddenly we turn it all around and we just go gun-ho because we could get caught out. The one good thing I think we have got is Jose won't want to get caught out. He won't allow them to kind of get complacent. So I still think, you know, anyone who's going in thinking this will be a you know completely different performance and we'll start to play some real, you know, adventurous football and leave ourselves open is going to be in for a shot because this could be a get a goal and then just try to nick it one nil still and keep it tight. Stone with you then, Carl. If you're opting for Bale to start on Sunday, does that mean he doesn't play a few days before? Because is there question marks over his fitness to play, you know, 70 minutes on Thursday and then another 70 or maybe even 90 on Sunday? Yeah, I think so. For, for me, again, I, I'd play Bergvine again on Thursday and, and save Bow for Sunday. Good show. I, think Berg, I think Bergvine needs the minutes. Um, you know, again, like Holly for me, you know, I, I'm still yet to be what I would consider impressed by, you know, Bergvine. I think he's one of those players that my, my worry with someone like him is, again, for me, he reminds me a bit like Mora, which, you know, can have flashes. But then a lot of the time, I don't feel confident he's the sort of player who can suddenly, in a, a big moment in a big game, I wouldn't feel like I could rely on him to stick it away um, and, and bring the quality that you need to. Um, we need to see him get sharper. He needs to get these minutes in and get some confidence. So again, against a weaker opposition, I'd play him and just hope that you know he can suddenly maybe grab a couple um, and, and get you know start to get some momentum going. But for me, I'd pick Bergvine and play Bow on Sunday. So, Holes, if we take Carl's comment about Bergvine, is it fair to say that he's not a player that gets you off your seat or excites you at the moment? He's just sort of by the numbers and doing his bit, but he's not like, oh, wow, like something that 
something amazing is going to happen with his, uh, you know, with him at the ball. It's just a case of like, when is he ever really going to get going? Yeah, it's a strange one because obviously when he scored that amazing goal against City, we were all like, oh my god, we've got we've got real talent here. And I think he's just dropped off. Like I said, I like he's since he's been dropped from Netherlands because he got sent back home because of his fitness. I didn't really notice it. And now you can kind of see why, because he's just, I don't know. Like I said, it's, Carl said, it's his minutes. He needs to get minutes in the tank because it, his fitness has clearly dropped. And I think once he manages to regain that level again, maybe we'll see the Bergwijn that scored that amazing goal against City. But until then, I'm not really getting up for it. And Holes, talking of fitness, can we see a remac- sorry, miraculous return for Toby on Sunday? Is that too early? Oh, I'd I'd hope so. Whenever he's in the back line, I'm I'm feeling a lot happier. But I don't know. I think it's too soon, and I don't know whether Jose is the type of guy to rush him back when he saw an okay, well, a good performance from Roden, especially when he's so young and the fact that he was jittery to start with, and he just kind of eased into the game. So I don't know. I'd I'd like to think yes, but I'm not too sure. And Jake, in terms of the case for the defence. How much input do you reckon Ledley King has had of, as of late? Well, you see him on the touchline, don't you, before every game, just screaming at the defence. So it's it's good that he's got that input and hopefully it'll, um, it'll make these players better defenders than what they are, especially with someone like uh, like Roden, who's like he's young and he's probably seen Ledley King games before. And it's just, a, a I'd say, an icon to look up to and to improve upon to become hopefully as good as him. Well, arguably, there's no better player to sit under the learning trees there, Rodon and King, because it's just dripping with knowledge and experience. It'd be the perfect tutelage to, to carry out with. So hopefully, that's the kind of um, you know, symbiotic relationship we see over the next few years. But staying with you, Jake, 2,000 fans, they'll be in attendance in the South Stand. How much of a difference is that going to make? Well, I wonder if they're going to choose the selection process with how loud the fans are. So... Um... Yeah, we need to make sure them 2,000 fans that do get in there are the loudest possible fans they can pick. Um, but yeah, I think it, it'll it'll start to add a bit of an atmosphere. I don't think it'll make a huge difference. But um, yeah, let's fingers crossed. Cole, will you listen to 2,000 fans in attendance or will there be some form of digital crowd noise for you or even no crowd noise? How, how are you going to select that on Sunday? I think it's going to be interesting, isn't it? You know, I think obviously you'd be keen to kind of hear what it's like with those 2,000 in. You can imagine if you're one of those lucky one that gets picked, um, given you haven't been to a football game for so long and, you know, the magnitude of the game, I would expect those 2,000 to not stop singing um, from the first minute to the last minute. Um, So it will be interesting as to how much noise they can kind of generate. I sort of said earlier in the week, you know, if you're one of those 2,000, it it will almost feel a bit like if you turn up to the cinema and you walk in and you've actually got the whole screen to yourself <laughs> isn't it? having that sort of stadium uh, with just 2,000 in it. Um, that's hope they do pick. And, and I'm sure they'll make lots of noise. You know, what, what a game to go back to um, and be part of. Um, I still think the telly will probably offer you those options of, you know, some crowd noise or just the sort of real noise. Um, but that, that's hope, you know, we give it to them. And I think it'd be quite nice for the players to actually have someone there for once to kind of feed off of during a game. So hopefully this will work in our favour. Absolutely. Actually, they might get rid of the digital crowd noise because you sort of think if you've got the 2,000 fans, you don't need three options. It'd be interesting to see how that is projected around the, the acoustics of the South Stand and how that reverberates back to TV because not all grounds going to be as beneficial to that small amount of supporters, but it might work in... Tottenham's favour all the same. So Holly, final question. It's from Mike, who's been on the show before, and he asks, 
Come the final day of the season, what pub will you be celebrating our Premier League title win in? Is it the Beehive, the Buildnick, or the grounds at the Goal Line Bar? I'll be doing a, a pub crawl. Lovely. I'll be in all of them. It's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Good work. Right, that is about full time. Yes, we've just hit 45 minutes or so. So sterling work. Just need to do the admin, which is uh, thanking my guests for tonight. So thanks to Jake for a, a fantastic debut. Thank you. Good time to so, run out with the first team. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much. Thanks to Holly for putting a solid shift in the middle of the park tonight. Cheers, thanks. You can tell my fitness is lacking a bit of how tired I am. <laughs> yeah, you, you need some Europa League minutes as well, Hals, don't you? <laughs> indeed, indeed. No, but thanks for, thanks for coming on short notice. Much appreciated. And Carl, as always, thanks for running the channels this evening. And hopefully you'll be back next week for the North London Derby show. Yeah, definitely can't wait um, and looking forward to it. And, and let's hope that say we continue this and we have another good win to talk about on Monday. Absolutely. Right. With that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.